0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole9Draft Podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg, and thank you guys so much for tuning in today. It has been a while. Um, The last few weeks have really sucked, you know, for me personally between college finals, um, my job, and also I had the battle of sinus infection and ear infection, and then my mic snapping in half on me. So that's why I had took a little bit of the uh, hiatus for two weeks to kind of um, collect myself and get the best possible show out there for you. And I'm going to make it up to you. This one's a really good one. We got the unveiling of my first big board, which should be up on whole9sports.com within the next couple of days. I also got a couple big announcements. And we're going to play a love game because everyone loves games. We're going to play quarterback matchmaker. Your franchise needs a quarterback I'm going to find the perfect one for you, plus I'm going to go over two wide receivers that are at a smaller school um, that should be getting more notice than they are for the draft, so we're going to be doing all of that today on the show. It's going to be great. I'm going to go in-depth on my first top 50 big board jumping around from player to player. I'm going to kind of list guys, and then if I want to stop and talk about them, I'm going to stop and talk about them, Um, but since this big board was created, a lot of changes have been made. so I kind of also would tell you if they've moved up or down depending on uh, where they are in the rankings. But I do appreciate everyone listening and supporting. Uh, follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. It's the best way that you guys will be able to keep in touch with me, get updates on the show, all that good stuff. So make sure you guys go ahead and do that. Plus... Whole9Sports is doing something very special. We are giving away one free Amazon Echo Dot if we can get to 500 followers by Christmas time. It's very simple. All of the Whole9Sports guys are retweeting and liking and tweeting out about this giveaway. All you have to do is go follow Whole9Sports on Twitter and you are eligible to enter the giveaway. It's uh, it's it's really easy. You just go on to Twitter You find whatever tweet it is, whether you found it on my retweets or you found it on Brandon's, it doesn't matter. Or you can go to atwholeninesports.com. We are tweeting about it every day. The tweet literally says, want a free Amazon Echo Dot? All you have to do is follow this account. If we get to 500 by Christmas, one of our followers is getting a free Amazon Echo Dot for Christmas from us at Whole9Sports. So it's a big time Um, Giveaway 100% completely free for you guys to do All you have to do is follow the Twitter page Once again, at Whole9Sports On Twitter, capital W, capital N, capital S Great way to not only keep up with such a great up and coming website But also, you can win some free stuff So, there is literally, it'll take you 3 seconds Type it in, hit the follow button Turn on the little dingy bell You're good to go um, as you guys know, in a couple weeks, a little bit over a month now, I will be down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. If any of you guys are going to the Senior Bowl and want to meet up, just go ahead and let me know. Um, either shoot me a DM on Twitter, leave it in the reviews or ratings, comment section on whatever uh, podcast platform you do listen to. We do have it available on Apple and Spotify. Um, I will be down there for the entire week, so... I think I get in there on the 19th, uh, which is a Monday or a Sunday, I believe, and we're there up until the game day, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be at the practices, interacting with a bunch of people, looking over film, all that good stuff, so we do want to see you guys that support whole nine down there, so go ahead and uh, let us know if you're going down there, and we can we can plan something. We're going to be doing a lot of different stuff down there, I know for sure. I know that I'm not the only one of the guys that's excited All of us are super pumped to be going down there. Uh, Speaking of the Senior Bowl, I'm going to try to put together a big whole nine draft podcast down in Mobile where we record down there on Monday. I'm trying to get a bunch of the guys to come in during the show, give their takes on things. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm also going to work on getting a couple special guests within the next week or so on the show to kind of create a more interactive environment for you guys so look for those improvements on the show starting hopefully soon hopefully soon i know a lot of us are finishing up finals i finished up finals at school this past week so i'm on winter break i know a couple of the other guys are almost done with college for the um the semester as well so we're gonna have a lot more free time a lot more content for you as to go and check out speaking of content go over to whole Check out all the latest articles, mock drafts, rankings, stock up, stock down, and conference reviews. We have an SEC, Big 10, Big 12 um, conference review of the entire year, plus we're going to be having bowl games, information, and all that stuff on the website. So we're going to be um, having a lot of cool content out there. We just had an interview, or excuse me, a meeting last night talking about the different stuff that we're excited to be bringing to the table that I'm not going to reveal quite yet, but we've got a lot of stuff that we are excited about. Stay tuned on the website as well for a potential mock draft for me. I've got, I've been working on one last couple days. Hopefully, I can get it to Brandon within the next week or so. Uh, draft order obviously changing, but I'm working on some in-depth prospect analysis. We'll get some more scouting reports out. For sure, I'm going to start grinding through. I got um, through my top-tier quarterbacks and top-tier running backs are done. So now I'm moving on to the top-tier receivers. I want to try and hit 300 prospects this year. Um, I know Mike is trying to do the same thing. I got up to about 170. Last year This year I want to try to get Up in in that 300 mark And I've got to start grinding But for me It really all starts With the Senior Bowl weekend Once the Senior Bowl is done Then I can go look at Senior Bowl film And then I just kind of Start rolling from there And then we got the combine And pro days And then you know the draft So we've got a lot of stuff To cover And you know The time is Of the essence here We don't have a lot of time On our hands But we are going to go do it So Shout out to all of us that are draft nerds out there That's really it for me, rambling And all the announcements, let's get into the show here We're going to play a little bit of a game called QB Matchmaker to start out So, in the NFL more than ever, there is a big gap in franchise quarterbacks Which is weird because you got all lose influx of young talent You know, you had Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen And Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen in this past year, Kyler Murray and Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, you have Mahomes and Watson, but the teams that don't have any of these young studs, they kind of got a bunch of duds and a bunch of crappy guys. You know, between uh, Cincinnati having to start Ryan Finley for a couple games and Miami rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Chargers, who have Phillip Rivers who looks like a shell of himself, and then Carolina has their whole Kyle Allen, Cam Newton debacle over there. So I'm going to go ahead. I've got uh, six teams here in front of me, and we're going to give them their franchise quarterback of the future. Not necessarily who I think is the best player, you know, You know, otherwise I'd give everyone Joe Burrow or every, or everyone Tua, you know, but the best player that would fit their style, that would fit their positioning as far as roster structure and development standpoint as well. So we're going to start with the obvious one, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is elite, okay? I don't know... Who else? I got to tell this. Joe Burrow's a quarterback one. He is, without a doubt, the best quarterback in this draft class. Um, obviously, to his injury kind of helped him with that. But this guy has a special arm. He places the ball in such perfect places and has an insanely high IQ to be able to make plays. Um, and he's athletic. 6'3", 215, and he's athletic. He can move around inside and outside the pocket. He... Has great accuracy in all three levels short, intermediate, and deep balls. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't have, you know, a Josh Allen type arm, but it's good enough to push the ball 40, 45, 50 yards down the field if he needs to do it that way. Um, so it's it's a good enough NFL caliber arm. Um, my pro con for him is Tony Romo. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Romo, but I think that the skill set is there. Short, intermediate, um, accurate passer that's got some escapability to him inside outside the pocket um, with a great mental makeup and IQ for the game I mean you, you listen to Tony Romo on CBS the guy knows anything and everything you need to know about the game the team the personnel I think Burrow has that type of capability Cincinnati is going to have the number one overall pick I'm seeing a lot of you know resign Andy Dalton and just draft Chase Young to me a franchise quarterback has a bigger impact on a team than a changing edge rusher. And I'm going to bring up the Chicago Bears here this season. They gave up all these assets for Khalil Mack, who I think we all can agree is a all-world talent at defensive end. His team's 7-6 and six right now because they've got a Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. So the... Pass rusher, although it is one of the more important positions in the NFL, quarterback is by far the most important position. Cincinnati has to address that, has to take their guy at number one, which should be Joe Burrow. I expect that name to be called first overall come April. Next, we're going to go to Miami Dolphins, the tankers of the NFL. Um, Miami, as we all know, we've gone in depth about them on the show before. Was A team that sold a lot of their A lot of their assets Laramie Tonsil, Kenny Stills Minka Fitzpatrick They're all gone They got draft capital for them Kenyon Drake is another one They got draft capital and draft picks And expected to be tanking And then this team Is starting to play hard for Brian Flores They're now sitting at a three wins I believe this season Could be wrong Two or three um, And now they're not in position to have the first overall pick like we all thought they were going to Luckily for them The quarterback that they wanted Tua Tonga Viola Got hurt And now The Dolphins have One, two, they have three wins Okay, I, that's what I thought um, And now Tua Tonga Viola Has a hip injury Pushing him down the draft board but like the Dolphins also moved down the draft board. This is a perfect fit. They're going to sit in that pick four in the draft right now. I expect them to be in the three to five range come April. And they need to stay a course here, take two. I'm seeing some uh, some name drops of Justin Herbert going at four, and they just need to get their guy. Yeah, they need to get their guy and their guy's two. They put so much resources and effort into making sure that they could be in position to get this guy, where they traded away these Good, promising players in Tunzel and Fitzpatrick at key positions, left tackle and uh, ball hawk defensive back, to get draft capital if they needed to move up You know, to, to take Tua. That was their ultimate goal, so they had enough capital and enough resources to where they could go pour it all into Tua if they needed to. Now they've been given a gift. Tua's gotten hurt, and I never wish for an injury on any player, and I do hope Tua has a fast, speedy, and successful recovery. But this was a gift for Miami. Now they don't have to use those picks to trade up in the draft to get Tua if they fell. Because Tua before excuse me, before was the consensus number one overall pick, right? Got hurt, burl Riz, rose to the occasion, and now here we are. Um, this is a gift from the gods for the Miami Dolphins. You stay pat, you take Tua, and you celebrate and be happy about it. And then you use your other picks on your know, offensive line, wide receiver, running back, edge rusher, You go around and you find the best player available. But it's crucial for Miami to take Tua here at foreign state course. I think that it's a perfect fit for what they want to do, what they want to run, the personnel that they want to have with Brian Flores. I just think Tua is a great fit in Miami. I just can't see him wearing any other helmet. Going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I personally like Gardner Minshew. I think he can be an okay bridge quarterback, potentially average year-to-year quarterback kind of like Andy Dalton was for the Bengals for a couple years um Nick Foles isn't the answer I would cut or trade him if possible and then I would draft Jalen Hurts for them Um, Hurts has been a really interesting prospect to kind of dissect because my grade for him is a lot higher than my grade for Herbert and for Love and for Eason and for Fromm I wouldn't say a lot higher but a couple points higher yet I still have more confidence in drafting a Herbert or a Eason or a Fromm over him. Um, Hurts has got a winning pedigree, which the Jaguars need to get back to. They haven't had consistent winning seasons in years. Back when they had uh, Byron Leftwich and then MJD and uh, Fred Taylor, I believe, when I was like 7 or 8 years old on those teams. Uh, They need to get back to a wing pedigree. I think Hurts brings that. He's got good athleticism. um, Really good athleticism. i compare him to Tyrod Taylor. He's poised in the pocket. He can be accurate for the most part at times. He's got a pretty decent-sized arm. But he's not an overly smart player as far as IQ and adjustments. He will not... Um, fully understand some defensive coverages, which will cause some missed throws, um, and he needs to understand the nuance of the position. Seeing, you know, the safety up up high that they're showing blitz, or seeing the four man rush, seeing that linebacker is going to drop back and take coverage versus blitz. You're going to need to see the different formations that the corners are going to be, in. he's got to understand that instead of being told that in his headset. Um, and then he's got one thing I also noticed with him is he's got very good accuracy when he's able to get good footwork down and plant his feet. Um, but if he gets hit or he doesn't have a clean pocket or he doesn't have a strong platform to throw off of, the accuracy can kind of tail and be an issue for him. But I think that with good development in Jacksonville, I'm assuming that they're gonna have a new head coach. Next year, I don't think Doug Marone makes it to 2020 NFL season, but I think Hurts would just be a nice piece for them to have, bring a winning pedigree and leadership to the team. Not necessarily from a skill set perspective for Jacksonville, because for me, I think Jacksonville's still best bet would either have Gardner Minshew um, as their quarterback, or they would go sign like a Teddy Bridgewater in agency or a Cam Newton. I think that would be their best bet. But out of the quarterbacks that were available, I think Jalen Hurts was the best guy that would fit in Jacksonville because it's something different. Because to me, Jake Fromm is kind of similar to a Blake Bortles. Um, okay at a lot of things, not great at one thing. Um, decent arm, decent accuracy, kind of mobile, kind of not. Um, and Jacob Eason is just this big cannon of an arm guy um, that has poor decision making. I think Jalen Hurts kind of brings a little bit of everything. Into the fold there for them. Los Angeles Chargers. I'm giving them Justin Herbert, and for the simple reason that he's the polar opposite of Philip Rivers. Um, in today's NFL, you need a athletic guy that can move around. Justin Herbert can do that. Justin Herbert also has a cannon of an arm. He can he can push the ball downfield. Rivers doesn't have the arm strength anymore. He doesn't have the mobility anymore. Herbert completely changes, changes the dynamic of the entire team if he becomes the pick, which I think he will be if they stay coarse here. I think he is the pick that they take wherever they are selecting. I think just think it's a perfect fit. You could start Tyrod for a year if you think Herbert needs more development, which I think he does because when watching his film from sophomore year, junior year, to senior year, he has not developed a ton. He's kind of stayed stagnant, which can cause some concerns for some teams because you can raise the question well, is he coachable? Does he understand what people are telling him? All these good things that you're hearing, are they actually true? So I think that the Chargers can take him. I think they're in the best position out of these teams because they have a competent quarterback, whether they bring back Rivers or Rivers goes to, you know, Tennessee or Denver. And then, uh,. Who's one of the better backups in the league, if not the best backup in the league. And is able to kind of take it for a couple games, bring Herbert in slowly, and then you can punch him in there, middle of 2020, start of 2021, as your franchise guy with a changing of dynamic on the offense. So I think that that is the perfect fit there. I mean, the Chargers have lots of holes. They're not going to get fixed overnight. They've got... um, the chargers have a lot of holes they're not going to be fixed overnight they've got offensive line issues i feel like they could use another receiver on the outside i feel that they could use some help at linebacker and potentially corner um they've got they've got some needs around around their team and their roster that need to be retooled and refilled but i think quarterback for them is something that they're going to have to realize that they're going to have to get over so that's why i've got them taking justin herbert as their quarterback matchmaker Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I'm giving him Jacob Easton Bruce Arians loves these big arm guys That's why he's stayed behind Jameis right? Who is still on his quest to lead the league In both touchdowns and interceptions He's at 26 and 23 right now Respectively touchdowns and interceptions There's 4 games left um, 14, 15, yeah 4 games left He's 3 touchdowns Behind the leader Which I believe is still Lamar Jackson I could be wrong um, three, touch, uh, three touchdowns behind the league leader. And then he's blowing everyone away in interceptions. He leads Baker Mayfield by seven right now. So he's he's on pace. Um, but Jacob Beeson to me, his film, his grade does not reflect how much I like this film. Um, his film is fun to watch. Big, arm, guy who actually has really good deep accuracy. The issue with him is he has horrible decision making. He will try to force the ball into double, triple coverage um he he is a thrower of the football he almost strictly will just use his arm, which I know kind of sounds stupid but as a quarterback, you've got to understand that body mechanics is important fluidity in footwork and body angle and placement is important um because he kind of just, He doesn't plant. He kind of does whatever and just kind of slings it in the air, which can cause accuracy issues, and I think that also is part of the reasons um, why he doesn't have a lot of touch on the ball. Um, But Easton's a big arm, big quarterback. 6'5", 235, he's got a big arm. He has okay athleticism, is not great. Um, He has has a really good play-action rollout. Not just from a mechanic perspective, but from a ball placement perspective, he's able to place those very well. But he doesn't have a lot of touch on the ball. He doesn't have overwhelmingly great accuracy because of his throwing motion and the stance that he takes to throw. Um, and then he also has really poor decision making. I remember watching the Utah film on him, and he completely forced it into triple coverage twice in the game. And uh, it it ended up hurting hurting Washington, obviously. But it's just the boneheaded mistakes with him are going to have to be cut down. But I think Bruce Arians, being the genius that he is, great offensive mind, good quarterback, understander, of the position would be one of the guys that would be able to help him fix it. I just think Jameis is way too much of a lost cause right now and doesn't speak volumes to what uh, Bruce Arians really is capable of. So I've got the perfect matchmaker for the Bucks being Jacob Eason. Another team in kind of a weird situation at quarterback is the Carolina Panthers. Um, Cam Newton was a franchise quarterback, got hurt. They benched for Kyle Allen, got hurt again, and is on IR for the year and is now in trade circulation this offseason, whether it goes to Denver or the the um, Bears or the Chargers. He's in he's in consideration to be traded, or they could just keep him. For my quarterback matchmaker, I've given them Jake Fromm. Um. From is a proven winner in college. Obviously, he played absolutely horrible. He played horrible against um, against Georgia in the SEC championship game this past weekend. But for the most part, he is a smart quarterback that has really good sense of timing, and he's got um, really good touch on the ball in the short to intermediate throws. He doesn't have great arm strength. He's a average to below average quarterback when it comes to arm strength. And he doesn't he doesn't have the ability to push the ball downfield in the tight coverage. So, if he needs to drop the ball 40 yards down the field so against the sideline, he's not going to be able to make that throw. He doesn't have the type of placement and strength combination to be able to to make those plays work. Um, He also, uh, watching Georgia's offense, they're very innovative with their route running. A lot of their guys get open because of the route trees that they're able to run and the combination and spacing that they're able to get with all three of their receivers. Um, Whether it's cross patterns and it confuses the defensive backs to get a guy open or it's a tight end swirling out to the curl to block a guy on a slant that gets The receiver on the outside To get open It's a lot of schematics With Jake Fromm That Kirby Smart And Georgia draw up Um, He doesn't have The guy The ability to simply Beat a guy one on one With his ball placement he needs he needs a uh, a coach to kind of draw it up for him. I've noticed because when he's told to go out there and kind of just throw, kind of like late in the game against LSU, he he still makes boneheaded mistakes. But if you give him a a nice lead and then you are able to put him in a position where it's like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the kind of play we're going to run. This guy's going to get this guy open because of this move. He can make that happen. So I think that with Fromm, he's going to need a smart. Offensive mind Which I think Carolina should go with That head coach anyway Is a younger offensive mind Even though Ron Rivera I don't think should have been fired I know that he's produced mediocre results But he's just not been given A completely talented and loaded roster Since they went to the Super Bowl in Cam Newton's MVP season So I just think that With Carolina They take Jake Fromm They can have some other things go their way And I feel that Carolina with McCaffrey Fromm will kind of be able to lean on McCaffrey to make plays where Fromm won't have to do too much um which when he's asked to do too much he just he can't execute so I think that that would be an ideal fit for him is in Carolina so to recap I've got Cincinnati's quarterback matchmaker Joe Burrow Miami Dolphins to a tongue of Iola Jacksonville Jaguars, Jalen Hurts, Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jacob Eason, Carolina Panthers, Jake Fromm. Now, does that mean that I think all of these teams should take quarterbacks? No. I think that the Bengals, Dolphins, and Chargers for sure need to take quarterbacks this year. And I think the three that I gave are the three most obvious solutions for each team at their given draft spot. Tampa Bay is a maybe this year. Um, If they were going to take one, it would not be in the first round. Jacksonville, I don't think that they should take a quarterback. I think that Gardner Minshew can continue to develop. And the Carolina Panthers, I think they solved their issue in free agency or by trade. So I don't think that they're going to be taking one early either. But these teams are kind of like the obvious teams that I've seen struggles in at the quarterback position. And um, these are kind of the top, the consensus top six for the most part um, on draft boards at quarterback. So, We kind of fit them based where we saw the needs there. Moving on, um, it's kind of a little bit of a story time here. I was um, watching some tape, it's kind of funny, on some younger wide receivers that are on FBS teams and uh, lower end D1 conferences. And Mike tweeted me, Mike from Hole9, he's great, go ahead, give all his work a listen. He's trying to hit 300 prospects as well, so maybe he and I should do a race for who can get it first. Um, but he tweeted at me, he's like, what do you think of Omar Bayless? I see some Corey Davis in him. And ironically enough, I was planning this podcast episode when he tweeted at me, and I was literally watching Omar Bayless like a half hour before he tweeted at me. And I said, yeah, look, the comp is actually very nice. And that got me thinking, well, I'm going to do a small school stud um, segment on the show this week with two receivers that I personally really like that don't get enough love because of where they go to school. So the first is indeed Omar Bayless. Wide receiver out of Arkansas State. Uh, the game I watched on him that really got me hooked was the game against Georgia. Um, mostly because you got to kind of see his trait. It wasn't necessarily his best statistical game, obviously, because, you know, Georgia versus Arkansas State. You can kind of imagine how that game went. But I felt like his, his traits really shined through in this film. Um, you're able to get the takeaway what kind of receiver he was, what kind of strengths and weaknesses he does have. Things of that nature. Um, And Corey Davis is actually a pretty accurate comp, I think. Um, He's a big vertical receiver that has the ability to power through contact and get those 50-50 balls. He has ideal size. I think he's 6'2", 230, I think. I've got it in front of me. Give me one. I've got it right in front of me. He is 6'3", 200. So... He's he's got the ideal height and length to become a game-changing player. There we go. And um, he you know he's a guy that's just going to outwillingly outwill you, outpower you, outstrength you try to beat you um, one-on-one because he doesn't have the elite speed or burst that's needed to create separation. That's not his game, which is one of the major flaws that a lot of people had with Corey Davis was that he could not create separation at the next level. Um which is why him being a wide receiver one in tennessee is not you know ideal for him now he's got a.j brown i think Corey davis will be a little bit be able to shine a little bit more in tennessee um yeah so he's a big physical receiver with the ability um to go up and get balls but he lacks the ideal size or excuse me the ideal speed not not size ideal speed to create separation i mean This year he's been a production machine, 84 catches, 1,473 yards, 16 touchdowns, and he's averaging 18 yards a catch. And that was a major jump from last year where he had 40 catches, 566 yards, and just two touchdowns. So he's really taking it upon himself To become the number one target on the team and he's done so i mean against georgia in a 55 nothing loss He had seven catches 54 yards He went off for 10 receptions 213 yards and a touchdown against troy eight catches 154 yards three touchdowns against georgia state nine catches 150 yards against um I believe it was louisiana. Yeah, yeah, louisiana raging cajuns so He's a, he's a production monster. His lowest catch total in a game this year is three catches for 141 yards. He's a big play machine. His lowest yardage total was obviously against Georgia, but he also had one of his highest catch rates that game too. So he's someone that is a production guy. I think he's going to be a good late day three pick, round five, round six-ish. I think he be a good player to have. I think that an immediate fit for him would be Philly, which is something Mike brought up as well. Um, he's a guy that you should target in philly new england would be another option carolina um and chicago i think are some some teams that would really be able to use that physical presence on the outside the other guy i want to talk about and this guy made my top 100 on my first big board was antonio gandy golden wide receiver out of liberty and he's very similar to omar bayless his traits are just better um He's, a, he's another strong physical wide receiver. He's 6'4". four. got the measurement in front of me again. Hang on. He is 6'4". 220. So he's a big guy. Um, he has got the ideal size and strength. Again, he's got great tracking ability. One thing that I noticed that was separated Golden and Bayless is Gandy Golden can adjust. And find the ball really anywhere up in the air and make the grab. Omar Bayless because he kind of lacks the speed, which so does Gandy Golden. He's by no means a burner, um, but because he kind of lacks the speed, he kind of he kind of always can't catch up to those big balls. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I really just say that uh, to those big deep balls downfield. I'm cracking myself up right now. Um, so that, that's where he struggles While Gandy Goldenmore struggles on the athletic side um, As far as creating separation um, Downfield, he'll struggle as well But he's able to track the ball um, In those 50-50 jump ball areas If you throw it up to him in the red zone He'll find a way to come down with it Because he's a strong physical wide receiver With ideal size, 6'4", 220 He's hard guy to cover because so, he takes up so much space and he's so big. Um, but because he's not a great athlete, doesn't have great speed or separation ability, if you're able to push him towards the sideline on a lot of these plays, you will be able to cause frustration and um, cause missed opportunities and missed plays. I like him a lot more because when I watched him, I see a, a higher ceiling because I see a bigger... Frame, which will create a better opportunity for mismatches um, than Omar Bayless. Gaining golden on the year was 74 receptions, 1,333 yards, 9 touchdowns, averaged 18 yards a catch this year. Last year, he had 71 catches, uh, 1,037 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So pretty much improvement almost everywhere. Um, We'll see him in the bowl game against Georgia Southern to see if he can uh, make an impact one last time. Assuming he does want to go the NFL route So those are kind of just two guys to kind of keep an eye on With the smaller schools Um, Liberty and Arkansas State obviously don't get a lot of love Because they're not LSU, they're not Alabama, they're not Oklahoma They're not known for producing these big time receivers But some wide receivers just come out of nowhere from from these colleges I mean Corey Davis, I was in love with Corey Davis He came from Western Michigan So you never know where any of these guys can come from So these are two guys that you guys should keep an eye on Throughout the process Moving forward, Antonio Gandy, Golden Out of Liberty, and Omar Bayless out of Arkansas State. Um, Two guys to definitely keep an eye on for sure. Now moving on to the main event of the show today, and that is the Big Board Reveal. I know a lot of people have been excited and waiting to see my first Big Board be revealed. I had to get enough prospects watched, and I had to get enough of an opinion to do a big board Before I kind of just did it I'm not going to be that guy That's going to just Throw a bunch of names in there I wanted to get a valid opinion So I did a top 100 um, You'll see it on whole sportscom Hopefully soon i got to talk to Brandon Make sure that it gets up there But I sent it to him He said it'll get up there Within the week So That is up there For you guys to look at When it is I'll definitely tweet it out, let you guys know Obviously And so will the whole sports Twitter page Which is why Following us on Twitter Is so important Once again At whole sports At joshberg 0611 At WNDraftPod and go win a free Echo Dot Go follow us So There is that um, So we're going to get into it Number one on the big board It's kind of the obvious one Chase Young He's elite In pretty much everything I saw this tweet today Which uh, Last night actually Which is kind of a interesting take And it says There is not a generational talent In the 2020 info draft Go argue with your cat Which I thought was really interesting Because You know We, we talk about Chase Young being a potential generational talent, but he's not. He's just really, he's as close as you're going to get, but he's, we've seen guys like him before in previous drafts, you know, the Bosa brothers, Miles Garrett, Clowney, in the in this type of um, skill set, we've seen it before. Young just does it a little bit better than most of those guys, I think all of them. Uh, I think he's going to have a higher grade than everyone except for Von Miller, I think, who I, I would argue would the last generational talent at Edge Rusher. Um, I mean hell, since I started scouting, Andrew Luck was a generational talent as far as from a scouting perspective. Um, Von Miller. Uh I thought Jamal Adams and Jalen Ramsey were both generational talents. Um out of college, Jamal Adams looks more so like that guy than Jalen Ramsey does right now. But other than that, there's not there's not a ton of them out there. Uh, AP, I would I would have said is a generational talent when he was drafted, but there are not a lot of guys that can claim generational talent, which is why they're so rare because you know they happen once in the generation, right? So I think that that's something to keep in mind when scouting. But Chase Young has it all. He literally has no flaws, no mismatches in his game. Um. He's 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 the best player in the draft. It's not even close. Uh, number two, Joe Burrow. I think we've talked a lot about Joe Burrow. I don't got to go too much in depth on him. Number one quarterback, elite accuracy. Um, he's smart. He's he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Number three is a guy that we don't really talk about a lot, and that's Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Bam? I see a lot of Odell esque traits in Judy. Um, he's a guy that I think is a the. I think he's the only guy. I should say the only guy. That is for sure a wide receiver one in this draft class, and this wide receiver stack draft class is stacked. I think there's 17 of them inside my top 100. But Judy is the one for sure that is a wide receiver one. Like the the first day he walks into training camp, unless he's going to the Falcons who have Julio or the Texans who have DeAndre Hopkins, he's the legit number one. Ceedee Lamb has got a big, big um, upside but I don't think he has all the traits and all the tools needed for wide receiver one like Judy does. Number four is Jeffrey Akuda. This guy is elite in man-to-man coverage. Physical, ball hawk. The guy is just an absolute stud. Um, he's by far and away the number one corner in the draft. He's at number four. Number five, Isaiah Simmons. I've talked at length about him. You guys can check out my scouting report on him at Whole9Sports. Um... Com. My scouting report is on there. And you guys can read what I have to think about him. The guy is one of my favorite prospects in this draft class. I think that there's no shame in hiding that. He's got elite range sideline to sideline ability. He is one of the best college linebackers I have ever seen in my life because he used to play safety. I just think that this guy is going to be a star wherever he goes, in he's going to he's going to fall on draft night because that's just what happened to linebackers. Luke Keekley fell um, in the draft. It's just it's just how it happens. I thought Devin White was going to fall in the draft. Jalen Smith, although he was injured, fell in the draft. It's just how linebackers go. It's not a premium position anymore. Simmons is special. I'm telling you, Isaiah Simmons is special. The next one, number uh, six, A.J. Epineza. He is a guy that we all thought was going to get more production this year, and the production kind of tailed off this season compared to last season until about the last you know month of the season. Then he went off. I think he had a two-and-a-half sack, four-tackle-for-loss game, another three-sack game, Um And I think that that is going to hurt him. But he's, you look at him versus Chase Young, Epineza is more of a technician, while Young is more of a speed freak, athletic guy. So that's why he's at six. Uh, I'm going to kind of speed it up just a little bit, not go in depth on so many guys here. Derek Brown's number seven on my list. This guy's an absolute monster. The debate between him and Javon Kinlaw is actually going to be interesting, especially in mobile. Kinlaw is going to be down there. He'll have the chance to showcase what he wants to do, um, what type of skill set he's going to be able to bring. We both. We all here at Whole9 love both of these guys. We're excited to see them both grow throughout the process. I have Brown just a little bit higher than Law, but it's not by much. 8 is Tua. He'd probably be my 4th or 5th player if he wasn't hurt, but got to take the injury into consideration. But again, if I'm a team that needs a franchise quarterback, I'm still going to end up taking him after Joe Burrow. Number 9, CeeDee Lamb. Kind of touched on him a little bit. I think this guy has the highest upside at receiver just because of his big playability. While Judy just has the tools to be able to solidify that first the wide receiver one spot, and then running out the top ten is Grant Delpit. He's had a rough year. He's definitely been sliding. He came into the year he came into the year as a consensus top five player, and it's kind of played down to it. Um, Matt Miller said it best. He thinks that he's playing kind of uh, i don't want to say half-assing it but he's kind of playing it safe on the field so he doesn't get hurt to hurt his draft stock but then he realized he was hurting his draft stock anyway and now he's picked up the play a little bit so i think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on one player i want to touch at is um the guy that i have at 22 and that's kenneth murray um he's he's been a riser on a lot of draft boards lately and i think it's important to note the reason why i have uh dylan moses still rated higher i think that's important to keep in mind here but he is so good when it comes to pinpointing where he wants to attack uh and what i mean by that is murray's got a great overly patient approach. He's not going to overcommit at all on this film. He's very patient. He'll be able to dissect what the offense is doing in order to make um, the play. And he's got sideline to sideline range, which I think a lot of these linebackers in this class do. Both him and Simmons do it extremely well. Um, he stretches the defense um, in multiple ways, and he can get to the ball once he makes that decision. So, He's he's always the first guy to seal the edge, to get around the corner, to get into the backfield when needed. He's got the that speed. He's got the range to do so. Um, there's not a ton that I don't like about him. Um, he kind of reacts to what happens around him as opposed to uh, anticipate what could happen. So he's got this patient approach. It, it's really weird how he works. He's got this patient approach where he'll dissect what the team is doing, but then he won't react to what he's seeing until after it already happens. Um, so he could be dissecting and seeing that okay, it's going to be an inside draw play to the left, but he won't react and make a move until after that running back, you know, gets the football past that first line of defense and then he'll react and make the play. Um, so I think if he were to become more of an anticipation player versus an instinctual... An, an, man, I'm having issues talking. If he were to become more of a instinctual and anticipation player over a dissectional player i think that he will succeed a lot but you know i personally think that kenneth murray is going to be a good player at the next level because of his um as far his flaws are not you know um Technic technician stuff. It's not missing tackles. It's not speed. It's not overly committing his It's more of a development of instincts, which I think can be taught to an extent. So I think um that he's going to be Someone that I think is going to be a good player moving on here to down the list the next player I really want to talk about is at pick 26 and that's devonta smith he is my guy at wide receiver this year like i said this receiver class is absolutely stacked i can go list the 10 guys that absolutely like in order of where i have them but devonta smith i is my wide receiver four or five currently right now behind uh, the big three um judy lamb rugs and he's behind uh Chenault. so i think he's five right now um he's ahead of higgins ahead of rieger who i like both as well but there's something about Devonta Smith. His hands are like glue. You watch him. He's a crisp player. Um, his, Like I said, watching him, I was just in awe of how the ball stuck to his hands. And maybe it's just because Tua is that good at um, placing the ball where the receivers can catch it. But he's able to create um, a great cut. With his route running. His route running is very crisp, which I think is good, especially beating coverage inside. He's a great guy that you can have um, have over the middle on most of your plays because he times it so perfectly with the way that he takes his strides um, that he can make that catch. Um, he's not the biggest guy, he's 6'1, 175 so he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to be a big 50 50 ball red zone target um but then again you don't really need him to because his skill set is such more of a finesse skill set with crisp route running and just outsmarting the defender he's going to be a guy that i think is going to thrive in an offense kind of like how i described with jake Fromm and georgia he's going to thrive in an offense that's dedicated to crisp route running and timing and distracting confusing the defense with the different looks that they can give on um, on the offense with that being said i think that he's going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit kind of like tyler johnson kind of did this season um Tyler Johnson was a consensus you know top five six seven wide receiver heading into the year and now he's like not even in my top 100 on my list so he's falling off a cliff I think Smith is going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit because he is the third Alabama receiver and you know everyone likes the sexy picks of Shenault and um, Higgins at Clemson um, so I think he's gonna get lost in the shuffle a little bit but I absolutely love Devante Smith um, as a player to target late round one I think that he's going to be a guy that looks at for sure the last guy I want to touch at in the top 50 is Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, he is at 49 on my list. Us at Holt nine absolutely love this guy. Um, other scouts don't really dis, uh, like him that much. He's not listed high up on their list. Matt Miller had his big board released yesterday I took a look at, him, and Winfield wasn't even in his top safeties. Whether it's because he, does, um, a lot, he doesn't scout the way we do as far as he hasn't declared yet and he's an underclassman, so he hasn't, like, Developed him and graded him yet Whether he um, declares or not We don't know But this guy I think is something special You watch him this year He should have been in the top three For the uh, best safety in football I don't think there's any doubt about it Um, He's the son of Antoine Winfield Who played for the Vikings As a Vikings fan Obviously it could be a little bit biased But Winfield has an athleticism That is completely out of this world um, in both single and man coverage um, because he sees the field incredibly well as a safety that he can make the instinctual play he's not fast um, he's not he's not necessarily slow but he doesn't have that extra gear to kind of play catch up with these guys. Um, But because of his instincts and he's able to see the field in such a way, he doesn't get beaten a lot, which I think is something that's very crucial for a safety to have and understand is when to kind of hone back and when to push for a big play. Winfield knows that balance and is able to make that. Um, He's a big ball hawk. Um, Creates a lot of turnovers, and he's like, and he's uber athletic. I think that he's going to be a guy that could return to college, and if he does return to college, he could be like a safety one or two next year for sure. He's currently my safety four, I believe, um, behind Delpit McKinney and Brandon Jones. But he's a guy that I really think has the upside to just make plays and be a stud at the next level um a couple other guys that i'm just going to kind of touch on where i have where i have them um i've got deandre swift as the first running back at 15 my first my next quarterback is justin herbert at 25 although i don't completely love it um, him in that spot like i said things are going to be changing um within the coming weeks jalen Hurts. Jake Fromm barely inside the top 50. Barely things again going to be changed. Um Michael Pittman Jr., who is one of my favorite guys, is sitting there at 53. And then one guy that I think I absolutely am in love with right now is Troy Dye. He's at 67. So you guys go ahead and check out the full list. On whole like I said, I'm going to talk to Brandon about getting the big board up there. I send it to him just waiting on publication, and things are going to be changing. I'm going to have another one coming up probably next week. Uh, I'm going to be starting a Scouter's Notebook like Matt Miller does. I don't know exactly what I'm going to call it yet, um, but we talked about this at the meeting. Last night, and I'm going to be coming out with weekly articles with draft news, rankings, all the sorts of sorts of things. Whether it's you know, hey, this is what's happening in the NFO draft world, and then oh by the way, here's a top fifty big board or hey here's a top five at each position ranking. I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna turn on the- winter break. So you're gonna be seeing a lot more of that. So hopefully you guys do enjoy that. If you guys did enjoy the podcast, I hope you guys do give it a five star review and give me your honest and best feedback. I know I enjoy making the big boards, I enjoy doing the mock drafts. I enjoy talking in front of this mic with you. I know it's been a rough couple weeks, um, but I do appreciate all the returning listeners coming back. See you, will listen. Once again. Once again. Go to Whole9Sports.com. And check out all articles, mock draft, scouting reports, and more. Follow Whole9Sports on Twitter at Whole9Sports and the Draft Podcast on Twitter at WNDraftPod. And until the next episode, I am Josh Berg, and I'm signing out. I will see you guys in the next one.